It's Dr. Stu's Podcast at drstuespodcast.com. Of course, you can listen right here on the website. You can go to iTunes. What I recommend you do is subscribe to Dr. Stu's Podcast on iTunes. This way you get an alert. You never miss an episode. We're up to episode number 82. I'm Brian Whitman, and here's my friend, the star of our podcast, <laughs> Doctor. Randy Way. <laughs> Randy Way. Doctor, hey you are one of the stars of our podcast. You're the best. Randy and I had a great day yesterday. We did the Randy Wang Show podcast. I'll do a quick plug for that. So check that out on Very iTunes. Very cute picture on Facebook of you two guys. Yeah. I, uh, people, uh, I got cute? A lot, a lot adorable. Of, oh, it's adorable. Somebody cute. wrote cute couple. Yeah, I got a lot oh. of Caitlyn yeah. oh, Jenner yeah. references and stuff yeah, like that. It's gorgeous. There. Okay, here is uh, the star of our show, <laughs> uh, Dr. Stuart Fishbein. It's good to be back, Brian. You know, we had last week we were going to record and we had somebody in labor and and Very how excited that, about her. How'd that work out? It was beautiful. She'd had three previous cesarean sections, and she wants many more children. And she told me at her first visit that if she had a fourth C-section, she was done. And so she wanted a V-back after three C-sections. And she? no one would help her up there right. in the Santa Clarita uh, Antelope Valley up there. And uh, so she ended up having a beautiful labor, about 13 hours long, and had a nine and a half pound baby uh, in her own bedroom. And did beautifully, but it made me miss the podcast. So it was. That's okay. You yeah. know what? Sometimes some things are more important than other things. Yes. And then uh, what else is going on is I'm getting ready for my vacation. Very excited about that. I, I specifically wore my uh, Dr. Stu t shirt today just to. It says on it for I know. Uh, folks. My, I'll, I'll my read own, it. The lavender t-shirt. is particularly nice. The lavender <laughs> is a lovely color. And Dawn, our guest, who were yes, formerly. We have, voice. we have a voice with that's us. That's right. Formerly introduced Dawn in a moment. The shirt is lavender and it says, Reteach Breach Birthing Instincts with Dr. Stu. Yeah, that's uh, the, my big project, as everybody knows who listens to the podcast regularly, that bring breach delivery back. Okay, so let's say things. hello uh, to uh, Dr. Stu's guest and hello. A, a lovely hello. lady. Hello. Hello, Dawn Thompson, the president and founder of Improving Birth. That's improvingbirth.org. That's right. Okay, so the first obvious question is, tell us about improvingbirth.org. Tell us about your passion in the area of birthing. Birth. And uh, and then we'll, of course, have some stimulating questions for you. And we'll get a hot debate going here. Sounds good. Uh, well, Improving Birth is a... Um, grassroots organization that is working to improve maternity care in the United States and bring evidence-based care and humanity back to childbirth in the hospital uh, everywhere okay because right. the, fir- the first part the of that hospital makes me is think- that it I mean certainly the hospital is our main focus yeah because 99 percent of births pretty much take place in the hospital and right and for those of us uh, you know for Brian and Randy and for lay people evidence-based care is a way of saying that basically we're making our decisions on how we're going to manage a patient or what we're going to recommend or what choices we're going to offer or options based on what's best scientific evidence. Now, we've talked before that scientific evidence is sometimes very skewed and you have to be very careful about just quoting an article or quoting a reference because uh, there's a lot of bad science out there. So what uh, her group does is they look at Pretty much all Everything, the science. Yeah. They, don't, they don't have a dog in the fight as to what they're pushing. They're they're looking for the best science. Yeah, I mean, the thing that we say is that it doesn't matter where you give birth or with whom. Um, it's not about home birth or hospital birth or birth centers. It's about women having the right to choose where and with whom they want to give birth. Uh, Dr. Stu mentioned a moment ago, and Dawn uh, Thompson, obviously you heard this. I'd love to hear from both of you. You used a phrase uh, that you've used before, but I have a question that I've never thought to ask you before. You referenced a moment ago, Stu, 
bad science. And you say, you know, you've said it before, a lot of science out there, but there's a lot of bad science about there. For the edification of the listener, people listening to Dr. Stu's podcast, uh, uh, women, men, moms, dads, people who would like to be one or the other in the future, or just people who crave information, who want to uh, hear a stimulating and intellectual conversation. In your view, uh, with all of, uh, with all that you've read about your passion and home birthing and all of that, what percentage overall and I, I guess I'll say in this area of, of birthing, I don't want to talk in general because that's a massive category. What percent- yeah, we don't know anything about that anyway. Right. Yeah, no. uh, so that's why I'm trying to protect us here in the question. In your area of expertise, what science or what is trotted out as science, what percentage in your view, both of you, is bad science? And I assume bad science means inaccurate doesn't tell the full story, lopsided. Would you put a number on it? Would you say 10% of what you read is bad science? Well, I can't put a number on it specifically, but I can say that, much to their credit, and we talked. I think I might have mentioned this in a previous podcast, uh, the American College OBGYN put out a paper a couple of years ago looking at their clinical guidelines, and they're based on levels of, of accuracy in the science. There's level A evidence, level B evidence, and level C evidence. A evidence is based on the best type of science that there is, which is a randomized, double-blinded, controlled study. B evidence is sort of lesser science, and C evidence is basically uh, a consensus opinion. Uh, 67% of the guidelines they put out were based on level C or consensus opinion, and only one-third was actually based on some decent science. That doesn't mean that the two-thirds that they put out was bad science. When I talk about bad science, I talk about rather than just like most people do, read a headline or read the abstract, or read the last paragraph, which is called the conclusion, you actually have to look, which is the most mundane, boring thing you can look at, you have to look at the methodology of how they did the study. Where do they get their data from? What studies were included? What studies were excluded? How did they choose? What what was their agenda? What is, you know, look at these people, look at their other papers they put out. Do they have an agenda? And a lot of people in the anti-home birthing world, as I like to say, do have an agenda, and they select their data to make home birthing look bad while they don't aren't really critical with the same sort of uh, equality toward the hospital-based issues, which have problems as well. It's Dr. Stu and uh, Brian Whitman, our guest on Thompson. Here we are, Dr. Stu's podcast, historic episode number 82. I want to get more, uh, want to get back and get more information from our guest on Thompson. Uh, Your group is called Improving Birth. If folks want to check it out online, as I mentioned a short while ago, Uh, improvingbirth.org. Another minute or two from you, if you don't mind, on on what Improving Earth Org is, what it does, the service that you provide, the information you provide, how long it's been around, a little bit of history on improvingbirth.org. And if, and for lack of a better term, if there's a mission statement for improvingbirth.org, uh, uh, I'd love to hear it. I, I, I essentially already gave that to you with the bringing, bringing evidence-based care and humanity okay. to childbirth. That's okay. our mission statement. Cool. Um, we've been around for three and a half years now, getting ready to... Well, it first started out as a rally across the country. Um, I was pretty passionate. I've been a doula for 10 years before I started improving birth. So I had attended lots of births cool. and seen a lot of really unfortunate things. And was the rally precipitated, obviously, by some sort of uh, fairly public event in terms of it got a lot of public? Uh, yeah, um, we had a, a hospital down in San Diego that it was leaked um, from staff that they had an 80% C-section rate on Thursdays and Fridays. 
And so we decided to rally in front of their hospital. Um, and during that process, somebody said to me, wouldn't it be great if we could do this across the country? Mm. Um, because we got a lot of press. We got uh, There was a five-page spread story in one of our biggest papers down in San Diego. Uh, and so I literally said, yeah, I think that this would be amazing to do it. So our first year, we had 110 locations in 46 states. In, and I, we did all of that in nine months' time. That's great. Uh, Don Thompson, ImprovingBirth.org. I have to say, did you say it's Friday and Saturday or, or Thursday and Friday? Thursday and Friday. Okay. They had an 80% C-section So rate. the C-section rate at this particular hospital on those particular days, Thursday and Friday, spiked to 80%. Correct. Okay. So uh, now let's uh, give context. What would be on any random Thursday or Friday, what would be a typical for this hospital C-section rate. Well, no, that is what the rate is. That is what the rate is. I, 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 I meant for another hospital. Yes. I meant for any other hospital. Well, I mean, there. You know, normally you don't get that breakdown from hospitals. So normally you just see what their overall percentage is. They and guard a lot of info. Correct. Oh yeah, for sure. There's no transparency in most cases for hospitals. I mean, there's the the um, California Maternal Quality Care is is actually working towards bringing that that transparency um but right now it's pretty difficult to get that and you have to rely on people inside the hospital to give the data to make it public so if you want to google c-section rates at los angeles county hospitals for that matter, you can find them up through maybe 2012 there you know they don't have data yet for 13 right, or 14 right. but there's no way to know whether that that data is really accurate or not it's because that data is collected i don't know if it's collected from birth certificates or if it's collected each hospital has to fill out a form or in a survey but the normal, you know, the nationwide, the national uh, C-section rate is about 32%. And, okay. and in the home birthing world, it's probably around 7 or 8 or 9% maybe. Um, obviously, it's a different population. Right. But, you know, the World Health Organization says it should be between 10 and 15%. Uh, that's probably more accurate. And your practice uh, certainly more closely resembles the numbers from the World Health Organization. Well, even lower, but even you know, lower. Yeah, right. well, I, yeah, I have a unique set of skills, but but the idea that Thursday I know, and, I know you do have a unique set of skills. Thursday and Friday. Okay, I mean, what Dawn is really saying there... Can is I that, pick it up as a layperson? It's yes, that obvious? I mean, it's that obvious. It's doctors, and not so much nurses, but doctors, Thursday and Friday, they want to start their weekend early. Uh, their schedule matters to them sometimes more than anything. Uh, so you're in labor, or a young woman is in labor, and they want that kid to pop out, and they'll do whatever they have to do, even if it means scheduling what we might view as a premature c-section or uh, induction right that's induction. A, or, or Usually an, it's the induction, in, induction yeah. right mm -hmm. that's why i love having experts because uh i'm just a guy so so <laughs> they, they schedule the induction and of course that makes their uh, round of golf that starts at 5 18 on saturday morning uh free and clear green lit and ready to go and the other thing that i was looking at you know i'm working on this paper that i that will be i'll talk more about we talked about it once before but i i looked at times of birth during the day and in home birthing, in the midwifery birthing world, the, time, the most common time of birth, the most frequent time for babies to be born is somewhere between midnight and 8 a.m. Mm -hmm. It's sort of a peak during that period of time. Uh, then it sort of evens out during the day. That doesn't mean when people go into labor, because I would say most labor by experience, people go into labor in the evening or at night. Right. But some labors are long, some labors are short. But if you look at hospitals, the, the peak birth times in hospitals are around 8 a.m. and around noon. Okay? Again, mm. if... If you're, if you're hands off, if you're leaving people alone, there is no way that nature would have spikes at 8 a.m. at noon or on Thursdays and Fridays. Right. If you're letting nature right. take its course, this is astounding and staggering. Yeah. Yes. And you, if you look at a calendar of births according to holidays, 
there's huge spikes, enormous spikes in inductions and C-sections b- uh, two to three days before a holiday, every yeah, holiday. Uh, because I, I understand that people are being amorous, right, uh, with their with their partner, and maybe there's <laughs> right more conceptions. I always well, no, she's, she's talking yeah, no. about she's talking about spontaneous. I mean, about people being induced, induced prior oh, to induced. a holiday. So weekend. right before Christmas, because I'm there's, born, there's virtually no births on Christmas, <laughs> Christmas Eve, yeah. Christmas Eve. You know, it's smart. And I'm, Thanksgiving and. Fourth of July weekend and 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 it yeah, there are things that happen. I mean, Brian, I could tell you a funny story. When I used to be, when I was training, I was at LA County USC Hospital, and it was in the early 1980s. And it was a hospital that was mainly for uh, uh, medical patients, mostly Hispanic. Right. A lot of them didn't speak any English, and it was really funny because when we were on on a day when the Dodgers were playing and Fernando Valenzuela was pitching, <laughs> okay, that was a big deal. Labor and delivery was completely dead. Because okay. of the doctor manipulating his schedule. No, 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 no. You're no because of the husbands manipulating the wives' <laughs> schedule. Do the not. husbands were not going to bring their wives, and then suddenly, when is, the minute the game was over, there'd be a flood of women coming into labor into the hospital. No. So they left them at home, completely ignoring their. It was just. It's just funny how how human nature it is to manipulate labor for something else, and that's not. What's ideal for women in labor? Stu, I mean, you and, don't see uh, guinea pigs uh, yeah, being born that's in, right. at, at funny times. Stu and Dawn, I'd love to see a survey, a study, if we could go back in time. How many babies were born uh, at Chavez Ravine in the parking lot after the ninth <laughs> inning of games that uh, uh, Fernando Valenzuela, Valenzuela was pitching? Okay, let me ask you about uh, improvingbirth.org. Randy can, you, Randy, can you Google that while we're taking time here? <laughs> <laughs> because I know improvingbirth.org, Don, uh, Don Thompson, comes to you with a lot of passion here. Yes. Um, uh, let me ask you, if uh, we were sitting here, uh, God willing, we're up to Podcast 82. It looks like uh, we're going to keep going. I'm excited about it. If we if we were sitting here talking in five years, mm. and you could futuristically, it's a fantasy. We love yeah. fantasy, right? Love in it. five years, if you could report to Dr. Stu and, and, and to me two great improvements, two significant and most important improvements that your organization, improvingbirth.org, had achieved, what would they be? There'd be three things. First would be a reduction in the C-section rate. Um, I'd love to see at least a 10% reduction in five years. I think that might be pretty um, uh, a big goal, but I think that it's possible. And certainly a, a large reduction in inductions and that, that, impro- that um, the United States would pull out of this enormous slump when it comes to maternal mortality. You know, I think a lot of people don't understand that we are literally last in developed countries for maternal mortality. You know, it can it can be done though, Brian. I was I don't know if it was you, Don, or somebody else that told me a story recently of a hospital that had too high a C-section rate and was being uh, reprimanded by the insurance company or somebody to uh, to lower their their yeah. insurance rate, and I don't want to name the hospital because I, I can't remember which one it was. Unless you I know. can't either. Actually, and it's not no. necessary. But really. Anyway, they were told that their C section rate was too high, and their insurance company was angry with them or whatever. And so suddenly they were able to lower their C section pretty rate. significantly too. I mean, yeah. they had a huge jump in a very short. So period one of the time. things just like, just on the virtue of a scare. Yes. Yes, for sure. So well, we, um, and we know that. I mean, the, there's a lot of pressure coming from the Joint Commission. 
and the Leapfrog organization who are the ones who oversee hospitals. And there's a lot of pressures building up about reducing their C-section rates. Don Thompson, what help improvingbirth.org is the website. Check it out here on Dr. Stu's podcast number 82. What help are you finding that you're receiving from other large organizations, medium-sized organizations, or dare I say public officials or prominent people? Uh, let's give some some shout outs. Uh, who is coming, who of prominence in terms of groups and individuals is coming to, to your aid and sharing uh, the mission statement and the action plan of improvingbirth.org? Well, we have a lot of smaller organizations that are just like us that are for certain, you know, we're doing a lot of mutual marketing back and forth and working but, together. Yeah. But as far as, um, as far as large organizations and that sort of thing, we're just not seeing it. Unfortunately, we're not seeing it. Um, but I think that we will once there's a push for it. Doctors too. Yeah. I wanted to say, um, uh, I know Don is very, the organization's also taking up causes of, of individual people or patients who are, are having certain issues where they have no one to turn to. And, Recently, and I think on our last podcast, it got mentioned indirectly uh, of a, when we talked a lot about obstetric violence, there was a case about an, uh, an un- non-consented uh, episiotomy. I got a lot of response on that. Well, uh, this is, and Dawn is, I mean, and that's why I'm here today, actually, yeah, that's to why talk I about sort that asked specifically. To be Thank here. you. We'll get to that in a moment. Yeah. So. Oh. You, you, uh, I want to make sure we got to that. Yeah, okay, so I don't want to miss do it because that's yeah, a big deal. Right. The last podcast we did, which was Dr. Stu's podcast number 81, we talked about something we'd never talked about. And believe me, on our show, uh, we focus on a lot of core themes that uh, from three years ago, Dr. Stu and I sitting at Conrad's restaurant in Glendale, we came up with this podcast. I think I came up with it, didn't Yeah, I? of course you did. Okay, well, not of course it I did. It wouldn't even <laughs> enter my mind. I've never <laughs> heard of podcasting. But but you're passionate and you make a lot of sense and, and you're eloquent and are articulate and you're perfect uh for this venue of podcast look, look at two and three years later we have an 82 podcasts later we're, Eight, we're, you know we're 82 shows i mean it's, it, it speaks for itself uh we have come a long way but uh obviously i i guess the point i was going to make is that those core those core values those core victories that some of you have experienced some you continue to work for remain at the center of the fight Dr. Stu fights and the fight that his allies like Don Thompson of improvingbirth.org fight and wage every single day. It would right. be really easy to just sort of take a big breath, sigh, turn around, give up and, give up and yeah. do and is basically keep your head down so that you're not uh, attacked by people and just do your job, <laughs> make a living. That is not my personality. No, it's and, people, not like and, that. People, and people do That's it. That's why Dawn and I like each other so much. It's not my personality. And people do that in industries, uh, all different industries every day Definitely. in America and the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah so, so they're either useful idiots or they're co-conspirators. I mean, you, you, if, you, if you see it in justice and you don't fight it you're part yes. of you know it's like yeah, you're I'm, part of the problem. I'm mixing all my all my quotes up but you're 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 part of the problem don let's talk rage seriously and truly i mean there are many stories you can find one a week if you look i look online i go to health uh, sites i love cnn's health let's go to facebook I, yeah, I, I love the yeah. C- cnn's website there health uh, i learn a lot there uh it doesn't take a lot if once a week you want to get outraged on sort of women's health there's always a story or two sure. out there well let me share this one because it's it's probably the most prominent right now and that is um kimberly's story she uh, we've been working with her for a year and a half and there's video of her forced episiotomy she was um 
asking him not to cut her, begging him not to cut her. In which state? And he continued and did so anyways without her was permission. He, he was here in L.A. County. Okay. Yeah, it was it was in Tarzana at Providence. I can share all of that information now, which is thrilling. I know so Tarzana. I've been there. So we've been because looking, now it's a matter of public record. Yeah, it is. Because the lawsuit so has been filed. She, a file. She's filed a lawsuit against the um, Dr. Abbasi, and. Um, when we've been working with her for a year and a half, this woman has video evidence of the abuse. So he's being he's being charged with assault and battery, and the in a civil and, in the civil sense. Yeah, well, both actually, it, because we had to go to federal court as well. But and but I want to take know that I want to take this moment to say that uh, the way we do the podcast here, Doctor Stu's podcast, Doctor Abasi, uh, the defendant at the receiving end of these charges, he is welcomed completely and entirely to appear here on Doctor Stu's podcast to give, in his own words, without being interrupted, his side of the story. Because we do believe that each story has two sides. Some have three or four. So we're four full disclosure we believe the audience benefits from more information not less from more sources not fewer so uh i I just point out that that we welcome that from the doctor for sure for sure and and you know and 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 take it it's it's allegedly we have to use the word allegedly right even though there was video evidence but i think the important thing to talk about here is the fact that this was a video it is very clear there, you know, the, the assault that happened is very clear and we could not get a lawyer for her. It took us a year and a half. We had over 80 attorneys turn us down. And the reason is, which is what you're going to ask me, right? The, the reason is, was because there's, there's potentially no money in it. It's going to cost the same amount to defend her as she will likely win. And let's refresh our uh, listeners because they lead busy lives and and let's uh, and we'll do it in a way where everybody in the family can sit in the car and can listen. Uh, this is the type of show we do and we're proud to do Dr. Stu's podcast uh, in this vein. Uh, when we talk about obstetric violence, it is a spectacular and sort of sensational heading. Uh, what are the what is the claim of the obstetric violence that this particular woman who's bringing the lawsuit suffered at the hands of this doctor? What is her Informed claim? Informed consent. And again, mm-hmm. our invitation to the doctor to explain himself. Yes, it, it's informed consent. When you um, when you go into a hospital, you even though you signed the you know admission forms that ne- you can always refuse any procedure and at you have any a, at time. any time at any time writing signing those um forms does not negate that in any way shape or form a lot of people are mis- misunderstand that that's the case but it's not um when she was saying no don't cut me she said it multiple times and you hear it oh yeah it's very audible and she in fact she asks why why do you need to cut me because all he says is, I'm going to cut now. I mean, and he doesn't even say it to her. He says it to the nurse. Does he answer her in the no. video? And no. In fact, he just says, why? Why? Because I'm telling you that that's what I'm going to do. That and inf- if you want to go infuri- do it yourself. I'm sorry. I that- mean, he literally said, if you want to go do it yourself and go back to Kentucky. Oh, God. Like as if she's from Kentucky. I'm somehow. sure, Don Thompson, we've just met, but I know you pretty well. That must have infuriated you. Oh, beyond i mean it's it's the 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 video to watch it and in fact i i I put a trigger warning for anyone who chooses to go watch it you can go see it on our website in our blog um it's already had over three hundred thousand views but it's sickening yeah it is sickening sickening. i'm gonna get sexist for a moment i'm gonna play the gender card as a male here who is off to the left and i am proud to be called liberal if you call me liberal it's okay i i wear it proudly uh i wonder if a doctor would ever treat 
Obviously, the circumstances would be different because we're talking about childbirth. Would a doctor, male or female, ever treat a male patient in that manner? I suspect absolutely not. I think I'd have to agree with you 100%. I think that there, it's definitely... Uh, it, potentially a cultural thing, uh, just by the last name. I don't know this gentleman, but there are certain cultures, Latin, um, Middle Eastern. You don't know. He's the, Middle Eastern. You, okay. don't, you don't know the doctor is what you mean. No, and right. I didn't. I don't really recognize the last name as far as even what right. culture it's sure, from. I mean, sure. But now Don just said he's Middle Eastern. It, you know, it's probably uh, ingrained in him th- that saying these things was not wrong. For it, sure. He didn't, he didn't under even understand that what he was doing. I'm sure that he didn't understand it at all. So other it, than the Kentucky remark, which sort of insulting to the people from Kentucky. So Don yes. Thompson of improvingbirth.org, what would be in your utopia a perfect outcome of this particular case involving this particular woman here in Southern California in LA claiming obstetric violence? I think it's setting a precedence because so many women, we, we had a campaign called Break the Silence where women shared their stories via photograph with a with a piece of paper. And I mean, that thing took off. And so many, we heard thousands and thousands of women say, this happened to me. I was treated this way. I was talked to this way. I even tried to file a, con- a complaint. I want to be really clear that this mother had no intentions of suing this doctor never and what happened was she first went to the hospital she kept going to the hospital and trying to talk to the administration and saying this wasn't okay he shouldn't be able to treat me this way and they said you know he's known for kind of being a jerk and she said then why did you let him touch me yeah and the hospital said we're so sorry we can't do anything for you so then she went to her clinic and she asked the clinic to help her they she asked for emotional support because she was suffering from you know pretty significant postpartum depression you know what they and she was telling her that that she couldn't have sex. You know what they gave her a bottle of lube and they told her to get over it. Well, you know I uh, talked to a friend, Doctor Stu. I'll tell you this very quickly. And uh, he is uh, he was a man and a media guy. I won't name his name. Well, I'll name his name. His name is Bob Turr. He was a veteran. Uh, L.A. Uh, traffic reporter. He was, in fact, the first helicopter hovering over O.J. Simpson during the white Bronco chase in 1994. So he's got a rich history and uh, Reginald Denny, the whole thing. But, uh, you know, he's now uh, transitioned to a female. He's got a new name. His name is Zoe Tour. And uh, he was in the hospital recently here in Southern California, I think for something uh, cardio related. And his cardiologist came into him, uh, into the room. We talk about the difference between the way doctors treat females and males. And because, I mean, look, that's interesting. Zoe has (laughs) had a unique experience of being both a female and a male uh, patient. And the way he tells the story to me, he said to the doctor, he said, I got to stop you. He said, as you know, I've been a man. And I'm a woman right now. And right now, doctor, you're talking down to me. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to ask you to please leave the room and come back and let's start this from scratch. Mm -hmm. Because I don't want to be talked down to by my cardiologist who's going to be making some serious decisions and performing and executing some serious of uh, 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 surgeries or or, uh, or or medical procedures that are going to be matters of life or death for me. 
Yeah, the problem is, Brian, is that most people do not have the gumption and knowledge that your friend has to, to say such a thing. And, and most, and and most and, don't have the, the experience of having well, been a man and a and woman. They're also, right, right and, well, I was just going to say, most women just expect to be treated that way. Well, and not only that, but the, the, the position that uh, Kimberly was in, it was an, an extremely vulnerable, vulnerable. position. Right. It's different when you're coming in for a checkup and they're going to listen to your heart or do something else. But here she's got her legs up, the baby's head is crowning, and she's in pain, and they're doing something against her will. It's completely different. But I, And FYI, I wanna... Kimberly's the victim of the story we just Correct. discussed. Yes. And I want to go back to what Dawn said about, about the fact that she sought relief and, and assistance from the hospital and from her uh, clinic and... You know, even the all, medical board. It's they're all they're all useful idiots. They're all part of the system. Nobody wants to step on anybody's toes. So you have to go to this extreme to to get a change. I mean, you know, no one would dare say something upsetting to a woman in the office setting anymore. You can't have a you can't have a Playboy pinup in your locker. You can't do anything. Everybody's so sensitive about that. What's amazing is that has not permeated into the medical world in such a way. The political correctness has, but the idea that. We're going to be able, we're going to go and we're going to have a corrective action against this. If, if this doctor had done something like that to a hospital employee, it'd be, be in Schittsville. Right. All right. But, but he did it to a private patient and the hospital and everybody else says, well, we can't do anything about it. You're it's hearing you're hearing the voice of OBGYN for decades here in Southern California. Dr. Stuart Fishman. Don't rub it's, it in. It's called Dr. Stu's podcast number 82. Don Thompson is the president and founder of ImprovingBirth.org. She's our guest for this particular episode. Well, it seems to me that uh, it seems to me with with all of this talk that, uh, wow, there still might be even in 2015 a long way to go. We talk about about baby steps what are a couple dr Stu? what are a couple of the smaller baby steps that could be implemented over the next six months to a year to two years that would begin to mitigate this overall i'll call it a crisis that too many moms uh, pregnant women feel when they hit the hospital to give birth to their first or second or third child Baby steps. What what could start? That's an easy one, you know. Well, I, I'm I'm concerned that there are no baby steps, uh, only because the system is evolving in the opposite direction. It's evolving into more impersonal, more uh, shift medicine, uh, more uh, fractured medicine, where this doctor will take care of this particular issue and this doctor takes care of this particular issue, and nobody's communicating everybody else and. People are actually not looking you in the eye when they're talking to you. They're looking at their computer screen to type in data, and it's becoming more and more impersonal. I think, you know, in our in in the midwifery model and the way I practice, you know, listen, this these things obviously you can you can say something as a man that you didn't know was offensive to a woman. I think there are female physicians who are just as cold and oh, callous sometimes. I, in fact, I think sometimes they're worse. Right, but you can you can do that sort of thing, and you end up with with not an inadvertent thing, but in our system. I feel like we have a good enough relationship with our with our client that they can actually say something to us and they might say something. So I think good communication is a baby step and for for the consumer to Education. to not settle Mm-hmm. For someone who doesn't treat them well in the mm-hmm. prenatal visits or at the initial visit, if you don't feel like you're being treated well there, don't settle. Don't tell you your insurance company only allows me to go to this group. Either either find another group or pay a little extra out of a pocket or find a midwife, for God's sake. If you have yes. a question for that guy, he's Dr. Stuart Fishbein. He answers uh, most and 99%. He reads them all. The email address is 
askdrstu at gmail.com, askdrstu at gmail.com, and uh, you might get a great response uh, from Dr. Stu. Our guest, of course, has been the wonderful Don Thompson, president and founder of improvingbirth.org. Uh, kind of interesting. I mean, society, of course, uh, I focus a lot on societal constructs. I mean, uh, we look here at home birthing. I mean, society has come a long way in accommodating. I don't mean that as uh, as sort of dismissive, but society is beginning to accommodate these births at home. Improvingbirth.org, obviously, I assume, has primarily uh, the health of the mother and the, the baby that's being born as primary in your model. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, wh- what we want is for birth to be safer in every environment. And, um, you know, when women are being chased out of the hospitals because they don't trust the providers there, yeah. we're not, birth isn't getting safer. But if you're talking about safety and safer, average lay people like me would probably say, have that baby in the hospital. I mean, there's all yeah. of, I mean, there's, if I may, there's all, <laughs> there's all of that gear. There's all of those people. I get if, it. If but the was, midwives carry if, that if, gear. If, they if, carry the gear. The only thing that they, midwife, do, a midwife can't do in a home birth is do surgery. Okay. It's the only does, difference. Okay. So, so, so does the midwife carry the gear that is present in the hospital? Cause I know a lot of young people who are married who say, you know what? Uh, we still believe in science. I know we talk about, uh, you know, science, bad science, but they, but comparatively they say, still come down on the side of science and when it's their daughter or their son and the birth uh that that wonderful that wonderful moment of the birth of their uh usually first or second or third offspring uh they want to side you call it bad science but they've got it in their head that the science uh, whether it's vaccines or the science that the hospital and the medical establishment has worked for decades on to perfect is there's probably something it's, to it. It's been perfected for the provider, not for the mother. Yes, I was just going to say, Brian, it's, it's all that gear is there to rescue problems that are caused by the way women are treated That's right. in, in yep. pregnancy and labor. Yeah, most you, problems you, are caused by Yes, the if you leave women alone, you rarely need the gear. And I have found even in our own office, you know, if, if we suddenly buy a machine that, that, we, that looks at the cervix or shaves off a piece of the cervix called a leap machine, mm-hmm. suddenly we're using it a lot more after we bought it, than we ever would have used it or needed it beforehand. Sure. So when you have a NICU, a newborn intensive care unit, when you have anesthesiologists... At a hospital. At a hospital, you tend to use them. them. Yeah. If you don't have them, you often really rarely need them. And if you, and the reason you rarely need them is because you don't mess with things. The reason hospitals have all these things is because the process by which they care for women, the inductions, the starvation, the, the, the immobilization, the all those things, then what that does is it leads down that path of problems where thank god we have an operating room and thank god we have a NICU but you know what if you would have just left her alone in the first place the the use for those things is 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 so Minimal. much less necessary Don, did I hear you a moment ago? Don Thompson, president and founder of ImprovingBirth.org. We'll put it up on Dr. Stu's website, drstuspodcast.com, so you can click on ImprovingBirth.org. Uh, did did you did did you basically advocate there uh, for improving birth? It's my question for you: improving birth, how improving birth? Uh, through the hospital model or improving birth through the outside the hospital, primarily at home model, or just overall improving birth, whether it's 
in the home or at the hospital? I mean, we're basically focused on the hospital because that's where the majority of the problem is and the majority of women are giving birth. I mean, I think we're going to see the percentage of home birth continue to climb. Um, but I don't think it's realistic to think that the majority of people are going to start giving birth at home. And so we have to to improve it. It's totally possible. It's it's entirely possible. We just have to stop inducing women for big babies. We have to stop inducing women for low amniotic fluid. There is no research to support us doing that. And 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 indu inductions before 42 weeks. There's just unless there's a medical indication for us to mess with childbirth, that's that's how we should be doing it. Period. And if we just did those things, if we just did those things, we wouldn't have spikes of C-sections on Thursdays and Fridays. That's yeah. right. That's remarkable. <laughs> and, we would, and, we wouldn't, and we wouldn't have them at 8 in the morning and at noon. And we need to see more midwives in the hospital. Period. Yeah. More midwives. What we need to do. And what, not ashamed to show up for their job. For sure. Well, but let's talk about the fact that they don't have any autonomy, but that's like a whole nother well, show a, yeah, altogether. We, talk, we talked about but, that. But, but um, what I think is that, you know, more midwives should be seeing the low risk women. And what other specialty? You're not going to go to your heart surgeon when you have a sore throat. I mean, why are we sending low risk, healthy women to specialists because that's what they are and we got to stop doing it. Here on yeah, Doc yeah there was just what I want to add real quickly that uh, I think was since the last podcast there was a screening here in Los Angeles of a new documentary called Mama Sherpas. Yep. Mm -hmm. And Mama Sherpas is about hospital-based midwives. Uh, hopefully people will get a chance to look that uh, Google that, look it up. Um, it was it's it's great because it, if midwives in the hospital are allowed to practice as midwives practice and aren't restricted by the rigid protocols that make them basically into medwives, right. then then the outcomes are going to be better and you're going to see, if you want to drop your C-section rate, that's a great way to start. There's a baby step. That's a good baby, that's a baby step, step right step, there. Yes. Uh, I'd like people to understand we're also working to raise funds for Kimberly because um, we have to cover her expenses uh, for... She, her attorney is taking it on contingency, but we still have to pay all the expenses out of pocket. So to bring expert witnesses and things like that for her case. So um, please visit our website and consider a donation. Thanks for enjoying Dr. Stu's podcast number 82. It's on iTunes. It's on Dr. Stu's podcast. I want to thank the very articulate, intelligent, and uh, very plain spoken <laughs> Don Thompson, president and founder of improvingbirth.org. We'll have this up on drstu'spodcast.com. If you want to read more about improvingbirth.org, we recommend you do that. We thank you for joining us. If you're on iTunes, give Dr. Stu's podcast five stars write them a review write them a, a a blockbuster review and give them five stars it helps the podcast we're up to number 82 and we know we're helping a lot of women a lot of children that's by right extension. and if you have ideas for other podcasts uh hit me up on askdrstu at gmail.com that's right and uh, we thank you for joining us thank you don itunes uh they will you will get an alert for the next dr stew's podcast so you won't miss an episode for don thompson president and founder of improving dirt improving birth.org <laughs> and of course the great dr Stuart fishbein i'm brian whitman thanks for joining us today on dr stew's podcast <laughs> <laughs>